0: Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. First of all, in Australia, the SX200 down three quarters of a percent. Uh, Similar story for Japan, the Nikkei 225 off uh, 0.7%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to lose about half a percent at the open. That's about 130, 140 points on the index. Uh, In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil trading at $54.96 a barrel. Gold is at $1,821 an ounce. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do please stay tuned uh, for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Mike Rouse coming up in just a moment. The weather forecast for today, fine and dry, cold in the morning. Maximum temperature is going to be about 17 degrees during the day and the outlook is for it to be mainly fine and dry tomorrow, rather cool in the morning and quite a big temperature difference between day and night. There is um, a red fire danger warning and a cold weather warning in force. It's 12 degrees right now, 57% relative humidity. It's 8.31. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news.
1: The Russian opposition activist Alexei Navalny has been detained on his arrival back in Moscow. He made a brief statement to reporters saying he wasn't afraid before being led away at Sheremetyevo Airport. The prison authorities said he'd broken parole conditions. Mr Navalny had just returned from Germany where he was recovering from an attack with a nerve agent in Russia. Christo Grozev, an investigative journalist with the website Bellingcat, spoke to him before his departure.
0: At this point i don't think he himself knows whether it's a short-term detention or long-term detention but i i do think that unlike uh, me or anybody else he's able to just remain calm and then be prepared for several months or maybe even years in detention and this would not have changed knowing this uh, what happened now would not have changed his decision to fly back to moscow
1: A commercial project by the British businessman Richard Branson has had its first success in putting small satellites into space from an aircraft. Virgin Orbit's first attempt in May last year was aborted. Here's the BBC's Jonathan Amos.
2: The modified 747, named Cosmic Girl, flew out over the Pacific Ocean from its base in California's Mojave Desert. An hour later and flying at 35,000 feet, the jet banked hard to the right, dropping, as it did so, the 21-metre-long rocket that had been nestled under its left wing. Within seconds, the rocket's engine had ignited and it was climbing to space. The deployment of the satellites in orbit was confirmed soon after. It's eight years since Sir Richard announced his intention to get into the satellite launch business. He's hoping to tap into what is a growing market for small, lower-cost spacecraft.
1: Twitter has temporarily suspended the account of a U.S. Republican congresswoman an ardent supporter of President Trump. Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia had repeatedly made false claims about election fraud in her state. Here's the BBC's Normia Iqbal. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a newly elected Republican. She won her seat in the same November election she claims was rigged against those Republicans who didn't win, such as the president. Over the past few hours, she has been tweeting unsubstantiated claims that the defeat of two Georgia senators was the fault of state leaders for failing to tackle abuses in the electoral process. The defeat led to the Democrats gaining full control of Congress. Twitter has temporarily suspended some of the features Congresswoman Green can use on her account, such as tweeting, retweeting and likes, because they said she violated rules. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
3: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today we're talking about the small house policy. The Court of Appeal last week restored the full rights of male indigenous villagers to build their own homes as it has overturned a lower court's ruling that narrowed the small house policy. The chairman of the Hung Cook said the government should now resume processing applications from villagers to build houses through private treaties and land exchange agreements as soon as possible. So what impact will ruling have on land and housing supply in hong kong what do you think of the ding rights are they fair are they in the basic law let us know your thoughts your questions and your comments you can do that on our facebook page that's backchat on rthk radio 3 you can email us backchat at rthk.hk with your thoughts or better yet you can call us and our telephone number is 233 88 233 88 We're joined now by Paul Zimman, CEO of Designing Hong Kong and Southern District Councillor, Malcolm Merry, who's author of Unruly New Territories, an adjunct professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Hong Kong, and uh, Ian Brownlee, who's a member of the Citizen Task Force on Land Utilisation and a former senior town planner of the government, managing director of the planning consultancy Master Plan Limited, and uh, Brian Wong from uh, Libra Research also joining us later in the programme. Good morning to to you all, uh, gentlemen. Malcolm, Mary, <coughs> Mary, maybe if we could start with you. Thanks very much indeed for, for, for joining us. Let's give us kind of a legal view on this. What, what do you think is the significance? What is the importance uh, of the ruling last week from the Court of Appeal?
2: Well, it, as you said in the introduction, it restores full rights, which had previously been doubted by Mr Justice Anderson Chow. Uh, I think the, the, the significance uh, in practice... Will be limited because the so called private treaty grant uh, which which has been restored uh, as constitutional as I understand it, it it makes up the minority something like twenty percent at most of the current grants of small for small houses in, in other words, the great a greater proportion a vastly greater proportion of them is is the free building license uh, whereby a, an indigenous person who already owns land can build upon it uh, with government permission so the practical Im- impact is actually limited uh, the from the legal point of view it's quite quite interesting. I'm no constitutional scholar, but it seems to me that the Court of Appeal has adopted a a completely different approach from the judge below and has read into the basic law uh, the intention to preserve the whole of the small house policy. And they have in the process interpreted the word traditional as not meaning traditional, uh, but meaning uh, that it's just a label for what previously had been done. In other words, a label for the whole of the small house policy. That is quite surprising to me, and I think it's uh, appealable to the Court of Final Appeal. So I don't think we've heard the last of this saga
3: just to, just to explain that uh, point, the uh, Article 40 of the, uh, of the Basic Law, uh, which is a cause of dispute, says the, lawf- the lawful traditional rights and interests of the indigenous inhabitants of the new territories shall be protected by the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region. So what you're saying right. is this, this ruling says that uh, it, the, even the small house policy is a traditional right, even if, yeah. it only, even if it only dates back to 1972 or whatever it is.
2: Yes, because they say it's actually, the elements in the small house policy were not new and they're traceable all the way back to pre-1898 it seems that that's right certainly for the free building license the doubts concern the private treaty grants and that's what the, the court below ruled to be unconstitutional but now as i say the court of appeal has restored that
3: i, I guess the implication would be though that that all applications were were kind of frozen weren't they were, were, were being held up and now they're going to be unleashed is that right
2: Uh, I'm not sure that's right. I think the government continued to process the free building licences after the first judgment, uh, but froze the others, the uh, the, um, private treaty grant, whereby they supplied new building land at a discount to the indigenous. But as I say, that that had become only a small part of the whole of the small house policy.
4: Yeah, sure, there was a small part, this is Paul It was a small part, but I think the practical implications are that the government will now feel inclined to reserve that land. Uh, although the, uh, the actual number may be low, they, they feel that they cannot do anything else other than uh, letting the uh, land lay uh, uh, as a reserve for the use for those, uh, for those grounds. So that's, that's the risk, and that's 900 hectares by the calculation, by Libre Research. But I believe that Brian Wong can explain more of that uh, but, later. But
5: what's the prospect the government will appeal? What are the chances? Well, appeal against itself. I mean, they were a, par- a party in this
4: case and they won, so um, I'm not sure that they're going to appeal against themselves. But, um, you know,
5: but someone else can appeal. Uh, yeah, well, well, well,
2: that's not clear, actually, Mike, because the, another thing the Court of Appeals said was that the two, the two applicants, uh, the two respondents, although they lived in, in the new territories, they didn't have standing to challenge Article 40. Uh, which to me is quite surprising. It's in effect saying that somebody who's discriminated against has no standing to challenge the basic law on the grounds of discrimination. Uh, But uh, that, that, that and the delay... There was a long delay, of course, after the small house policy and the basic law before the legal challenge came up. That was, those were sort of threshold grounds for denying the whole case. And it may very well be that the Court of Final Appeal looks at those two elements and says, well, we're not going to hear this because of the delay and because of the lack of standing.
5: So what do we need? We need a woman who can trace her origins back <laughs> to pre-1898? Through the female well, line or the, the male yes. line? How does that work?
2: Well, I, I don't know what they thought. Obviously, they wanted to, 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 to block the whole thing. I, I, I suppose that what they were thinking was, well, these two are not indigenous uh, and they're not applying for small house grants. So they have no special interest over and above that of the general population. Because of course the small house policy discriminates against everybody except the indigenous. Um, however, it seems to me they missed a point there, which is that at least one, if not both, of these uh, a- applicants lived in the new territories, so they, they are less than ordinary members of the general population in living in town.
4: Which is what? the point, isn't it, yeah. that, that the whole, that the new territories, the, the indigenous are an absolute minority. I mean, they, and this yeah. policy then gives them a right above and beyond anybody else living in a new territory, which is the majority. And the circumstances have changed and government will have to respond to those changed circumstances. And if they, they, they lazy letting and trying to have the, the courts do it for them. But isn't it that government themselves can change the policy? This This ruling yeah. does not stop government from changing their own policy.
2: It certainly doesn't stop that, Paul. And it's interesting that the Court of Appeal relied very heavily on on the background materials for the drafting of the basic law back in the late 1980s. And they saw that the consultative committee had a lot of objections made to to Article 40 of the then-draft Article 40, Uh, and there's this welter of complaints about it. Uh, Nevertheless, they said in the end, uh, we have to honour the joint declaration, which was quite curious, because the joint declaration doesn't mention the small house policy as such. And they said, in the interests of... community harmony, I think, something like that, in the interests of harmony uh, we'll leave it to the special administrative region to sort this out in other words, the LED- LegCo can deal with it, not us and therefore they allowed Article 40 to go ahead despite this widespread opposition expecting the Hong Kong government to do something but here <laughs> we are 23 years later, 24 years later, nothing done and nothing's been done. That's
5: a pretty weak read, isn't it? Waiting for the yeah. Hong Kong government to do something. You well, it's
2: a, it, it's a cop-out, Mike. My, my, I mean, the, the, the colonial government had a similar sort of attitude, didn't it? Which was to have, have a quiet life and let somebody else deal with the problem.
3: <laughs> yeah. Ian Brownlee, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, does this mean now that the government will have to take more seriously the proposal uh, from the Yi Cook to... Uh, to, to maybe do away with the uh, the three-storey uh, houses and to have something, you know, to build high-rise, basically, and you'd get a flat within the high-rise or something like that?
6: I, I don't know. No. Um, it's, um, it's an Just interesting because, I mean, there isn't, there, there
3: isn't the land, is there? There is
6: not the well, land. Well, for this there is a continue. finite quantity of land available, and um, when as town planners, we look at the new territories, um, areas where there has been a, a traditional village, um, they're zoned as village-type development, and they're there to protect um, and to enable the, the future development and the protection of the existing village. And I I think, you know, the way I look at it, um, the small house policy is actually, re- and the village zoning, is a reflection of uh, issues that relate to a lot of um, communities around the world where indigenous, indigenous land rights or indigenous rights are, uh, have been subject to abuse over time and subject to some forms of protection. And often, if you look at the history of in places uh, like Australia, New Zealand, Canada, wherever, um, any of the rights of the indigenous people have generally been overridden over time. Uh, we have a situation where, since 1898, there has been some form of protection of village rights. And if you look at the, um, the areas where um, there is a, still some... Replica of a of a traditional village you will see those components in in terms of the um, the village cheetongs, uh, um, uh, their their um, halls where they have all their traditional community facilities, and there is a long um, lineage which can go back in some cases to seven hundred years or more so there 's a general principle I think that those rights and the ability to recognize and to enable the continued existence in some form of a traditional village um, recognition should be included within whatever the planning and the land development is. It then becomes a question of, okay, how do we do that? And, and that's where the situation is at the moment. We, we have a number of problems that um, have arisen, and the problems that, that relate to these village areas are different in perception from different people and you know if you're a villager you should and a male villager you should be saying okay i have a right to um to take over a portion of land or have my own family land to develop a house on and that is the policy and that is usually what the zoning plan would permit um the the situation is though that um if we look at the way the villages have been developed, it's an absolute total disgrace that we have these areas which are basically rural slums developing in areas which were areas of, of, of some um, standing in terms of the village, uh, traditional village layout, the relationship of the hills to the sea, the, you know, feng shui, woodland and all the rest of it. All of that has become uh, subservient to the need to build housing. So, yes, we should have villages, uh, to, and and I think the indigenous villages that were in existence before 1898 have a particular standing, and then we need to look now at what's happening to those areas right. and where they should fit into the modern Hong Kong. Ian, on that point about the
5: layout of villages, um, th- th- there isn't a planned layout
6: of any of them, is there? No, that's um, that's not necessarily true. Um, okay, that's what it is. Because I know that I was involved in some of the areas in Yunlong where we actually prepared layouts with proper roads, sites for village houses, car parking areas, a possibility of including sewage, and so on. And uh, were they implemented? No. What happened is that uh, it came down to an argument. Um, a car park was the equivalent to a village house site and um and that was the, the issue why should we have the villagers saying we should have a house site irrespective of whatever it looks like and and we have the juxtaposition of houses that are absolutely atrocious and we have the situation where um, it in in particular parts there is no no access for emergency vehicles right that was and a- that is a, a big issue and so if we're going to continue to have these village houses uh, village-type development areas, then there is a need to modernise the standards not only of the planning but the design of the buildings, the relationship of the buildings to each other, the road access and the sewage and the environmental issues that are generally created by these areas. How do you do that? How, is that compatible with these rights which have been granted? It's, it's, the rights should be granted in conjunction with a proper layout. And and there's no reason why the government can't do that if it says to the villagers, yes, you can continue to have your rights, but we're going to do them in a proper modern way.
4: But Ian, wasn't it uh, the planning department had trouble with this, uh, These uh, agreeing these village layouts by ne- having to negotiate with all the villages, and everybody had another piece of land that they owned that was closer to the road and they wanted to have the road next to their house and sort of next to the neighbor's house and it became an impossibility to negotiate, isn't it?
6: Well, it, it's, it's, villages are different sorts of places, right? We all know that. How many of the village houses which are limited to three stories are actually four stories or more? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and Carrie Lam herself tried to uh, impose some form of, of additional control over the way the, the villagers that the villages have done. Oh. That's oh. really that, failed. But. That, was,
5: that was the <laughs> invitation for you to register your illegal structure with the government. And, and I'm not sure what the incentive to do that was. It was to stop it being knocked down,
6: <laughs>
5: or removed, or forcibly... Or yeah. it would only be removed sort of at some magical time in the future. Yes. So, but most people didn't bother. They thought, yeah, we, we've seen this all before, a hundred times. Why should we bother to
6: register and maybe we'll be picked on? I I think you've got to cut it down to two parts. There's the physical planning, the the provision of um, sewerage. For instance, in some areas there have been objections to the sewers being imposed because um, the villagers don't want to pay for the connection. And if you have a sewer outside in the road nearby then you have to connect into it instead of using septic tanks which are never cleaned and because of that the the sewers have never been built so you know there is a need for some form of control or some community understanding whereas at the moment um I'd say that the villages are basically areas where the village um, attitudes dominate rather than the, the sense of good urban planning, good, being good urban neighbours in some cases. But
4: you've looked at the uh, new town development plans in the new territories um, and um, that they require land and land resumption. So what is this, this ruling? If we're going to reserve uh, 900 hectares for future village development, is going to do to these kind of new town development plans?
6: Well, I mean, it's a fact that, um, for instance, the one that t- to me is a classic is Hung kyu, which is a new town to be developed between uh, Tuen Mun and, and uh, Tin Soi Wei. Um, in, in that area, uh, we have some of the oldest villages in the Hachun area that have been around for 700 years or more. And they have very firmly recognized as having this, this um, history. And Around those areas, which have been uh, traditionally zoned for agriculture or open storage-related uses, uh, there's been no uh, significant permanent development. But now these villages are right in the middle of what's going to be a new town. Mm-hmm. And the government has, in their planning, have accepted that the existing village zones that were there before they started replanning should be retained. So we have a situation where about 20% of the whole area of the new town is going to be reserved for three-storey village houses. So if we're looking at the urgency of constructing high-density housing for public housing or private housing, we finish up with about 70 hectares reserved for that. And then we have 118 hectares reserved for three-storey village development. And so we have a A situation where in the midst of this high-rise new town, you're going to have this very large area of, um, of village development, which the plans say should be serviced and the infrastructure provided and everything to bring them up to a modern standard. But in the meantime, they're going to exist basically as they are um
3: malcolm mary you you wrote a very interesting book about about the new territories called the unruly new territories which talks a lot about the the small house policy does this does this uh judgment make it more unruly Uh, does it kind of release the anarchy uh that the villages will just be able to do kind of whatever they want plan whatever they want within the very narrow bounds of the small house policy
2: I don't think it it will change very much, Hugh, because it means, as far as the government's concerned, they can just revert to doing what they had been doing for the previous decades, uh, which which involved um, a um, negotiation with the Hongyi Guk and giving ground to them about small houses repeatedly over the years. Uh, and that has continued... After the handover, it wasn't just the colonial government that was sympathetic to the, the, uh, these demands. Carrie Lam and co. have continued to uh, indulge them. So I, I think that will, that will continue. I mean, there's a real fear now that uh, the, the, the four stories and more will come in and maybe eating away at the edges of the country parks and so on. So, uh, there's no change, really, from that point of view.
5: How can the government and the community just allow the situation to roll on?
4: Well, I think it's worse than that. Uh, um, We've just approved $550 million to start a study of creating new land outside Lantau. Uh, on the basis that we have a shortage of land and then we have this abusive kind of inefficient land use in the new territories. It is abusive uh, as Ian just said in, in many ways, I mean there is poor or no sewerage very poor road connections to no road connections. There's, there's hardly any layout, so, so they have fire services, access problems. And now, if you would just continue the policy of this, as uh, Malcolm said, uh, we're just going to have uh, these ramshackle village areas continuing to grow. In the middle um, of the cities. In the middle of the cities. In the meantime, we're spending millions of dollars figuring out how to get land somewhere else. So, so as, as a society, this is a totally unacceptable situation. Government has led it to go to court. The the, the rumours are that government was very Happy it went to go to court. They were actually hoping that they were going to lose, uh, but they had to take the position they took. Um, but now they. Why would, now they want to,
3: why would they want to lose? Because they also don 't want to get in a
4: fight with they don 't want to get in a fight with they know it 's an abusive form of land use, and now they have a land use problem in Hong kong we don 't have a shortage of land we 've got a land use problem, and this is this is part of it so if the, if the courts decide that hungry cook loses, the government is clear can, so, sorry, the court decided now I have to do this and can take better control over the land that you say that you have a right to so the yeah. East
5: Lantau metropolis is. The soft option compared to confronting the Hungry Cook. Oh,
4: totally. I mean, there's one engineering firm you hire to do the whole project, and you cut all that new land instead of dealing with the Hungry Cook and everybody else that uses uh, some village land for all kind of uh, uh, strange so, uses. So,
5: sixty billion or whatever it is 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 a, a snip. It's,
4: it's, it's a uh, bargain for, for for I mean you know you you, you're, uh, you you've been part of the crowd uh, uh, running Hong Kong as a bureaucrat I mean uh, you, you, <laughs> yes. I mean how do you guys make decisions about things like that um, You guys prefer not to do not to work hard I'm sure as,
3: as no, no. everybody else is We work uh,
5: hard finding reasons not to do anything Exactly so here you go.
3: I'm not counting Mike, but I've heard government people who are, who are not fans of the Hungy Cook. Let me put it like that, Of course, they, <laughs>
4: to say the least. Can you imagine the planning department people and the lands department people that have got to get, keep trying to keep some control over what happens in the new territories, ending up constant struggles? <laughs> Call them up when there is a problem in your, in your village. I mean, they have to come up with multiple vehicles to try to come and deal with it, and they, they are worried about how they're being responded to. So Malcolm. it's not a healthy situation.
3: Malcolm Mary, what do you think, what does the administration want? What does the government want?
2: Well, I, I think mo- most of them, uh, most of the administrators, don't like the small house policy. It's an embarrassment to them. It's been the subject of criticism by, amongst others, the United Nations because it's uh, sexually discriminatory. Uh, and, and yes, I think secretly many of them would have hoped that a, a, for a better outcome. Uh, from the court case. Uh, the embarrassment is partly because the people who build these houses now are largely developers. Hmm. It, th- that's the abuse side of the small house policy. I mean talking about the old villagers and the indigenous and so on, hardly any indigenous people live in the, in the, the modern small houses. They're, they're sold off by, they're built by developers and, uh, in league with uh, um, village people. I, I think. And sorry, yeah. Uh, uh,
3: just because we've just got a couple of minutes left, I think we're going to yeah. hear from the Libra research community after after nine o'clock. With and their suggestion is that you restrict it, and you know only mm. only uh, um, uh, indigenous people can live in them, or they can't be resold yeah. or something like that. Is that practical? It's, could they could they do that, uh, Malcolm Mary?
2: Um it, it, for the future, yes, they, okay. they could. Yeah. I, I think it's essential, it's
6: essential that they do something like that because the fact is there will not be enough land to continue to provide for these requirements of 18-year-old males. Could and, they get away with that in court, that restriction, you think? Well, I mean, it, it's the law that the government creates when they grant a piece of land. They said, you know, at the moment you've got to... Uh, after five years, I think it is, you can pay a premium... Uh, you don't have to pay a premium to government. You can just sell it. Mm. If you want to sell it before the five years, you have to pay a premium to government. I mean, that can be changed. I would be. There is absolutely that, no reason.
4: That's right. That's 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 not a right. That's a policy, and the government can change policy. But they try not to create policy that goes against what they had already agreed. The hungry cook because hungry cook is going to beat them on the head, so they have to go and you know they have to get their hands out of the pockets and now actually get on with hungry cook.
3: OK. Well, uh, Malcolm Merry, uh, author of uh, Unruly New Territories, published by the Hong Kong U Press, adjunct professor in the Faculty of Law at Hong Kong U. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much indeed to uh, Ian Brownlee, uh, member of the Citizen Task Force on Land Utilisation. Uh, we're going to uh, continue the discussion. Uh, we've got lots of emails as well, interesting emails, substantial messages, uh, which I will share with you after the news at nine. Before that, the weather, fine and dry today. Cold, uh, temperatures around 17 degrees during the day. Uh, the outlook mainly fine and dry tomorrow. There's a cold weather warning 12 degrees Celsius now, the relative humidity is at 51%. At
1: the very beginning, Sao Paulo's Governor, Joao Doria, who's expected to run in presidential elections next year, has backed Coronavac. Meanwhile, President Jair Bolsonaro has refused to be proactive in coming up with a clear inoculation plan and continues to sow unfounded doubts about vaccines. You're listening to the news on RTHK. RTHK
3: Talk about this Monday, back chat with Mike Rouse and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking once again about the uh, small house policy. This is on the back of that ruling by the Court of Appeal uh, last week, uh, which uh, uh, overturned a lower court's ruling that uh, narrowed the small house policy. We're talking about the implications uh, of that. Uh, We're joined by uh, Paul Zimmerman, CEO of Designing Hong Kong, the Southern District Councillor. Uh, And uh, we're also joined now by Brian Wong, who's a member of the LIBA research community. And we want to hear from you, 233. 88266 is the number you can email backchat at rthk.hk uh, an announcement from the transport department I didn't get to earlier I don't know if it still applies uh, there was an accident which had closed the fast lane of uh, yeah the Lungcheng Road towards okay. Tong near Line Rock Tunnel um, so I'm sure there will still be congestion uh, in that area it's a pretty regular occurrence closing lanes on the Chung Road, on the, on the a road. Uh, ok uh, lots of interesting uh, uh, and uh, it's quite substantial emails. Uh, OK, this is from uh, BFD, uh, who says, oh, one would think that the cook would have reconsidered its stance against female inheritance if for no other reason than self-interest to retain land rights within villager families, given declining birth rates, and to remove one argument from the arsenal of their opponents. But of more concern is whether the court ruling will result in a barely controlled building frenzy. There already are problems of competing land claims hampering the installation of utilities in some new village homes, and one need only walk through some villages to wonder how fire services would cope if a fire broke out in some of the inner properties issues of indigenous land rights could become increasingly contentious if more city people move to the new territories and it's certainly far more significant than reports of flying lying ted hoy got a letter from hsbc which were a complete waste of time and our government money Uh, bowen says an earlier episode of backchat discussed ways to achieve reconciliation getting rid of poor policy decisions and wrong priorities being one necessary precondition that must include tackling the so-called small house policy resolving tense social contradictions of this sort is commonly an important function of the judiciary in mature jurisdictions with a written constitution the courts sometimes chart and provide the foundations for innovative ways to settle conflicts between not just individuals but whole classes of individuals in a manner that's reasonable and pragmatic, protecting the public interest without unfairly trampling on proven constitutional rights of minority groups. It may well be that, as the Court of Appeal remarked in its judgement, the long delaying in bringing constitutional challenges to the small house policy militates against granting relief in some situations even if the policy is found to be unconstitutional. But this is no excuse for not prospectively giving the relevant constitutional issues full judicial scrutiny and for not exploring fully all possible solutions to stop the continuing conflict. It is to be hoped that the CFA will perform these duties better than the Court of Appeal has done, if the dispute does end up in its docket. It doing so will also contribute to the consolidation of Chief Justice Chung standing at his new post. One obvious danger is that since the dispute centres around the application of articles of the basic law, including Article 40, interest groups and other bodies are liable to make politically charged public statements and accusations ...accusations... In a case like this, they would, these would be particularly detrimental to finding a solution. Not so much because they will interfere with the court's decision, but because they will sow the seeds for distrust and for attempts to circumvent a just unreasonable settlement through the judicial mechanism. That's thoughts from uh, Bowen. Alan yes. says, the small house policy is an absurdity, and everyone knows it. Because the government does not want to offend the hungry cook, they allow the continued abuse of this policy, where a tiny group of privileged people have a right to free land supposedly to preserve the village society in reality used for real estate development Rather than challenge the hungry cook, Carrie will empty Hong Kong's coffers and spend $1 trillion to make new land. A guest comparing this to indigenous rights in Australia and the US is absurd. The so-called villages are a landed aristocracy, a cabal of real estate dealers, not not a displaced indigenes. Carrie has no problem in negating the rights of Hong Kongers in every other sphere. There is no consistency here. The villages are basically favelas. There is no planning, no emergency access, muddy, narrow tracks between houses... Illegal structures on 90% of the houses, with the government afraid of enforcing laws. This is because village elections are a joke. The representatives that the government defers to are the hereditary clansmen, while the great majority of residents are from urban Hong Kong. The actual residents have no say. Policies are determined solely to maximise real estate returns with no concern for the needs of those living there. That uh, is uh, from Alan. Uh, S says, Paul Chan stated uh, there will be a uh, deficit in fiscal reserves this year. Perhaps the government can start collecting revenue by issuing fixed penalty tickets for illegal parking and roadside metered parking in residential areas where uh, are abused by the public. They're abused because of no action by the traffic wardens. Sorry, it's a slightly different topic. Maybe we yes. could have put that in later. Okay, Richard II says, so "Good morning. The villages in the South Lantau Valley have exploded in the past five years, and if you visit around 7 a.m. or 6 p.m., you will see crowds of literally hundreds of construction workers returning to their dormitories. That many of the villages have become small houses are dormitories for dozens of workers, mostly from China, building the Lantau North developments. Hardly homes for indigenous villagers. Indigenous rights should be recognised. Why not?" An now the villagers to use their land but with the following caveats 1. No sale or exchange of dings 2. Limit residence in future small houses to indigenous villages and not as rental properties for people who do not even live in Hong Kong and 3. Provide proof of residence in Hong Kong for indigenous villages wanting to build small houses I live in a small house I was fortunate to buy many years ago but it's clear that this policy of private development for financial gain cannot continue as it is a grossly unsustainable housing approach that leads to extensive degradation. Uh, degeneration and habitat destruction the village of Sheklao Po being a case in point where it's now mostly building materials supply zone and a commercial vehicle car park interspersed with scattered and higgledy-piggledy housing, much of which is inaccessible then the huge numbers of cars and fights over parking space and fly-tipping for a small consideration utterly exploitative by a small number of powerful individuals and unrestrained destruction as a result, rural slums in place of ecologically important areas, that is from Richard II, uh, Brian Wong. Good morning to you. Good uh, morning. Thank you much indeed for for joining us. Well, what do you think Thanks. are the important points, and what what follows from this uh, from this ruling from the Court of Appeal? Well, I uh, think the decision to reinstate the
7: rights on uh, the, ch- the so-called traditional rights is a total disregard to the actual situation on the ground, because uh, obviously the right uh, the, the Hong would say that uh, now that our rights are being enshrined by the courts and also the basic law. So the government has to approve our applications as as, as as fast as possible. So the government would have a very huge pressure to uh, to approve the applications on hand uh, both on the private land and also from the uh, government land. And previously uh, the, the government has already uh, reserved um, around 900 hectares of government land. That is Zone as the village zone, uh, village type development zone uh, that we call the B zone, uh, which uh, where where the um, uh, under town planning, uh, those land are are purposely uh, reserved for building small houses. So the government would have to sell those land under the small house policy because the the court already said, okay, these are the traditional rights, so you have to approve. the, uh, the government land and sell and sell these government land to the eligible villages. But then um, the the problem is that the the, the um, now that it, there is a very huge loophole on the small house policy itself, because there is no close scrutiny to the um, to the eligibility and also the real intention of those applicants whether they are whether they are really willing to go back to the village to live. Because there is a large chunk of the applications uh, that is later to be proved to be um, that they're proved to be abuse cases because they were built to sell. They're built for built for sale, so it didn't really fulfil the original purpose of the small policy. And practically, those lands are wasted because this policy is reserved. Uh, it's, that the sole purpose of having a small policy is to serve the indigenous villages, not the non-eligible uh, the city people. Um, so um, if the government, um, took, uh, if the court or the government that, um disregard the actual situation on ground, uh, it would invite even more applications. Or well, maybe uh, um, there those applications from the villages, perhaps from overseas, to build uh, a lot of the small houses for sale. So that is not a very good situation because it directly competes with other land uses in the new territories.
2: So what do you propose
7: Brian?
3: Sorry, yeah, Mike, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no,
4: no, I'm, I'm just wondering um, what, uh, what Brian then proposes uh, to uh, to do about this given the current, given the ruling. Um, I mean, uh, are we going to challenge the rulings to get there, or do you see the well, government can change the policy to the, get there? The government
5: isn't going to change the ruling, apparently.
4: No, no. So, if, if so, if you know who's going to then go back to court and challenge uh, is is is, uh, is Martin Lee and and his team and uh, going to help these uh, these uh, the two uh, applicants to go and do a court final appeal? Um, uh, what is going to happen next, uh, Brian?
7: Well the thing um uh we have to totally rely on uh the court because uh the court might um might look into this matter very technically, not well there's some legal perspective so um but in my opinion i think the um no matter what the 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 final ruling would be, the government still has a role to uh control the land uses because um the uh, the court ruling only uh, defines what's a traditional rights. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not going to dictate what the government, uh, how the government would implement the policy. Um, but uh, they have
3: to facilitate those traditional rights, don't they? Whatever they do has got to Well, maximum. they have,
7: the, uh, for example, the original purpose uh, of uh, having a small house policy is to let the villagers to build for themselves to live in that, uh, uh, their villages.
5: Right. So because they had uh, they were engaged in agriculture. They lived there. It was part of their way of life. I mean, that was the origin of the policy.
7: Yes. Uh, so they have to uh, prove to the government that they have the intention to live in the villages. Uh, for example, they have to be in uh, living in uh, with the parents in the village for a number of years. That was exactly the policy in the 1970s, but but, uh, but was subsequently uh, relaxed. So this becomes a loophole um, right. for the outsiders, and not, not outsiders, for overseas indigenous villagers to come back and, and say to the government that, oh, I want to live in the village. Uh, I have the rights, so you have to approve it. But in fact, they have already engaged in some sort of uh, uh, illegal arrangement.
5: Right. To, to but it isn't, if we take a step back, because we in danger of being swallowed up by the technical details here if we take a step back and have a sort of helicopter view this all comes from ding rights which applied in southern china 150 years ago um and times have changed they've certainly changed throughout the rest of southern china this is the only bit which is saying oh well because we did it in 1898 We must carry on doing it in 2020, 2021, and forever. That cannot be right. It's up to the government to have a real policy decision about what it's going to do on this, and if necessary, discuss it with the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office and say, listen, guys, one interpretation of this is simply unsustainable. Um, What are we going to do about it?
7: well my interpretation is that uh even if small house right uh, is a traditional right uh the act of selling it built for sale is itself is not a traditional right because back in back in the 1898 uh if a, any villagers would actively sell the land to the outsiders that would be a sin that would be that would be a shame to the family so traditionally they would not build a house to sell the outsiders so if we, uh, if we if we read the um, the judgment uh, uh, by the judges then we could apply this principles to um, uh, to solve the abuse uh, the problems because uh, if we have to respect the traditional rights as enshrined by uh, by the basic law then we must not let the villages to build uh, to build the houses just for the purpose of selling the outsiders because it, is not, it does not respect the traditional rights.
3: Okay. So, yeah. Okay, at number 233-88266. We've got a call. I think it's Mike on the line. Mike, good morning.
8: You know, listen to this argument, and th- think about this. Everything that has been said is true. If you go back and listen to this program again, of all the arguments of the new territories, all of the emails, everything... Everything has been truthful. Now, how do you fix it? And that's the government's that's the that's government's been putting off for the last how many years? I lived in the New Territories. Actually, La Fausan before Tien soy Wai was created, I watched it all happen. And it was <laughs> everything that people have said in all the comments are exactly right. And it is a huge mess. And then it gets into the I saw you guys were talking a little bit about human rights. What's so not right for the women to not be able to have the house and the men? Eh, but you got you got to go back to history. Why is that the case? Is that the case if, if Mr. Chan marries Mr. Wong, uh, uh, marries a Miss Wong, and then Miss Wong gets to own the village house in the Chan's village? I mean, there's going to be another war. Actually, and I don't know if you remember 20 years ago when there was a change that took place in the new territories. I mean, there were truckloads of pig feces dumped in Hong Kong Island. Do you remember those?
5: I do remember this, but you actually touched, maybe inadvertently, on a very real issue. What happens if Mr Wong marries Mr Chan? Oh, yeah. We're twenty okay. first oh, century you, now.
8: Then you've got. well, maybe it might be a victory for you, but you know, it, would, it would. Yeah, but, but it is complicated. It is so. It is really complicated. And here's the problem: that <clears throat> judges that hear anything about land cases are completely ignorant of law. They're ignorant of the planning department's um, uh, remedies to fix things. All they do is they go back. to I mean, it, it, I had a particular case, and I, I, I won in high court. I lost in the appeals court. And the judge in the appeals court, who happens to be in high court right now, had absolutely no idea how the planning department remedied the situation, and he ignored the planning department's remedy of the situation that I would have been covered under. So you got judges that don't know what they're doing.
3: Okay. All right, Mike. Many thanks for your call. Two three three eight eight two six six. You can email back chat at rthk. hk. Okay, a lot of more comments. Uh, I think quite a few of our listeners uh, might live in village houses. Uh, Jay says, "Come to and Long. We still got houses that have been unsold for over five years, and these houses are not for Hong Kong people. They're built for China Chinese, and the price is too high for Hong Kong people. And the government know this, but they are holding prices. Small village houses are also causing mental problems, and the government." knows this and the government are also turning villages into slums, then of course they can knock it down for building flats. That's from Jay. Uh it's gonna be hard knocking down a village. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay. Uh Jim says uh, morning first I declare my interest in that I rent one of these small houses on Lama Island and despite a depressed market last year the rent keeps going up most of the houses are of the tacky Spanish villa style more Benidorm than Hong Kong can rules be introduced so the houses have a more traditional style after all the design of the hacker houses have natural air conditioning with the high ceiling and finally why does the hungry cook still wield so much power when there is no democracy in Hong Kong Sorry, Uh,
5: I think that's QED, isn't it? He's just answered his own
3: question. Okay, uh, Guy says uh, undoubtedly, indigenous inhabitants of the new territories have a basic right to build houses on private land. The small house policy was a purely administrative measure introduced in 1972 to enhance this basic right and improve living conditions as a form of compensation for development of the new territories. There is no traditional right to build new territory exempted houses under the small house policy on government land. The policy should have been discontinued in 1997, and the new territories should be administered in exactly the same way as the rest of the SAR. That uh, is uh, from Guy, but I I think the ruling says uh, otherwise. Uh, (laughs) Phil B says uh, essentially the small house policy is gifting $20 million to every male indigenous male. This is outrageous. The government is bullied by the Hungi Cook. Just look at its headquarters. It's a fortress in Sha Tin. I worked in the police in the new territories in the 70s and 80s, and believe me there are two laws in Hong Kong Hong Kong law and New Territories law and the government just does not have the will to deal with the problem that is uh, from uh, Phil B thanks very much indeed so so,
4: Brian, you you have done a lot of research on land availability in the new territories mm-hmm. as an alternative to building a massive island uh, in the seas. Um, mm-hmm. And to what extent are these is this village house problem a impediment, and to what extent is there an opportunity to find new land?
7: Well, the, the, currently the, there are a lot of village uh, expansion in the uh, new territories because village expansion
4: areas uh, reserved by government. Areas.
7: Yes, it's competing, uh, competing uh, other, uh, with other land uses. Like there are some, uh, as you, you may aware, there are some uh, uh, new town developments in and in, in northeast new territories right now, and also Hongshui Um we, we have looked into the plans, the uh, the the, the outline zoning plans, the draft outline zoning plans by the planning department. We have observed some very worrying trends because uh, the the indigenous villages. Uses like uh, like uh, the the, um,
8: public the public housing,
7: housing hmm. public housing, also other utilities. So we, we are already seeing a very.
4: How many hectares are we talking about?
7: Um, the government has reserved nine hundred hectares.
4: And nine, so, 100 and 100. how many how many hectares are we building in uh, Lantau? Uh,
7: and one thousand. At least one so thousand. It, it, so it's, it's almost the, equal to one thousand. It's it, it, it almost equals to the area. And how much area. is it going
4: to cost us to build one thousand hectares of Lantau? Yeah. Well,
7: that's around two hundred twenty-four billion Hong Kong dollars. Thank so, you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you, you can say that. So and you can say that we, 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 are, we are reserving uh, yeah. uh, sorry, $626 billion just for the... Uh, uh, to preserve the, right,
5: ex- preserve the right,
7: the so-called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm, you can, you know, roughly say... Um, but this
5: is a very emotional subject, isn't it? I mean, we all talk about the 1st of July, 2019, when LegCo was sacked, but the last time before that, that LegCo was attacked by people with weapons was when New Territories villages were objecting to some of the plans for uh, these development areas, several years before that. So it's a very emotional subject. People can get worked up about it.
3: Mm
5: -hmm. Um, But the government
3: has no choice. I mean, you know, they, they've, got to comply with a, they've got to comply with the court. No, they, they can make a new poli- they could make a decision,
5: decision not to have village expansion areas. Yep. That's within the government's power. Yes, if you own a piece of land in the village, the recognised village area... Would they stand a chance with, on, on, a,
3: on a, a, a judicial review? Yes,
5: because you're talking about the rights that descend from pre-1898 recognised villages. The huge expansion areas do not descend from 1898
4: but Brian you worked with uh, some of the legal team you have given them some uh, some support what what is their position currently on uh, on the expansion areas can we can we hold that back and the government hold it back
7: um, no, no I don't think so the, the previously those materials uh, did um, did not really fall into the courts because the um, it's not really relevant to the to the subject matter uh, the court Judge said so. Uh, the judge on, uh, was only interested in the definition of Article 40 of the Basic Law, which means that is uh, what, what is a traditional right. So the so the uh, the policy itself, uh, they are not really interested. They they are saying they are just saying that uh, the the changes in the policy are just a, a evolution.
3: So, so, can I just clarify, the 900 hectares you're talking about, are those the expansion areas?
7: Uh, no, no, no. They they are the uh, government land that is being zoned uh, for small house purposes uh, in the entire new territories. It's everywhere. It could be just next to the uh, uh, MTL station or in the very remote villages. It's everywhere.
3: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, you know, so it's a bit misleading in many ways, isn't it, to compare that to, uh, you know, a a, 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 a It's not free a free land. Because it's all over the place as well. It's in tiny pockets uh, spread all over the new territories.
4: Oh, okay. But I, I believe uh, Libre Research has done research, or is doing, currently in the process of doing research on that issue yeah. of the, uh, the, how land, uh, the land availability in the new territories.
7: Hmm. Yes, uh, we are, uh, we ha- actually have looked into that uh, 900 hectares of land uh, the, the village land uh, a few years ago and we selected only uh, around 30 hectares of sizable and uh, not too remote um, land pockets pockets around uh, uh, new towns um, they are they are very accessible we have uh, been to a few uh, of the locations and we have Include that into our research report and saying that these um, sizable um, village area zones uh, can be reused to build um, public housing because they are already government land and the government is free to dispose of uh, these land to whatever purposes uh, they see fit. Because um, the government already uh, has already complained that uh, they don't have enough land to build public housing, so here here is the land. So, you can use it to, build, small, uh, to build, build public housing. So, they should not complain because they already have those resources in, in hand.
3: Okay. Uh, one more comment on Facebook uh, from Horatio, who says I hate to point out the obvious, but one, Hungi Cook is akin to the mafia. Two, we have a government that's so backwards in its vision and values that it will never have the chutzpah to stand up against the Hungi Cook. Look who's in charge and a history with Hungi Cook. Enough said. That's from Horatio on Facebook. Thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you to everyone who who uh, emailed uh, and called uh, this morning. Brian Wong, thank you very much indeed. Member of the uh, Libra Research Community. Paul Zimmerman, CEO of Designing Hong Kong and the Southern District Councillor. And uh, Mike Rouse, thank you very takes much takes me back, you know. I was dealing with this 40 years ago. And oh, you didn't solve it. Nothing's <laughs> changed. you, you <laughs> left it it's for everybody
4: fault. else to resolve.
3: <laughs> the weather, fine and dry. Cold this morning. Temperatures up to about 17 degrees. There's a red fire danger warning at the moment and a and, uh, cold weather weather It's going to be mainly fine and dry tomorrow. Uh, Rather cool in the morning and uh, it's going to be cloudy with rain in the middle and latter parts of this week. 13 degrees now, humidity is 47%.
9: Amid the epidemic, thanks to all for being self-disciplined to protect yourselves and others.
6: Thanks for keeping up personal and environmental hygiene and contributing to fighting the virus.
9: We must take further steps. Keep track of your whereabouts. If you are sick, don't go to work or
1: school. See the doctor and get tested promptly. We will prevail over the epidemic. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. Fight Fight the the virus. virus. Stay Stay vigilant. vigilant.
3: 931, the news with Samantha Butler.
1: The government has been urged to expand its mandatory testing order for residents in parts of Yamate and Jordan after more than 80 preliminary cases were found there. People living in the area are required to take a test if at least one coronavirus case has been found in their building. Infectious disease specialist Joseph Jung from the Medical Association says that's not enough and all people living and working in the area should get tested. Two civil service unions have demanded the government give clearer explanations over the terms in a declaration of allegiance it's asking the servants to sign. Both the Hong Kong Chinese Civil Servants Association and the Federation of Civil Service Unions says members have expressed concerns such as what would happen to those who refuse to sign. And the Russian opposition activist Alexei Navalny has been detained on arrival back in Moscow. He'd spent five months recovering in Germany after he was poisoned with a nerve agent in Siberia. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock.
9: It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Wheelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Good
1: morning. Good morning. Morning.
4: Hi. Good morning. And good morning to you too. How are you doing? Excellent. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning.
9: Good
5: morning. How are you? Good I'm Fine, thank you. Thanks for inviting me to
3: your show. How are you? Good morning. Good to see you.
9: On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning.
4: Good morning. Welcome to Monday. Hope you had a lovely weekend. It's the Morning Brew once again with me, Phil Whelan. Well, Robbie McRobbie needs to sign a couple of peace treaties this morning, so we'll do our rugby bit later in the week. So, after ten and a little earlier than normal, going to travel back to yesterday and catch up with our New York correspondent, best-selling author and columnist, Tracy Kwan. Well, as you know, it's nearly the time of the year when flowers are high on the agenda, so I love talking to this guy Gonna welcome back at 11.40, multi-international award-winning floral designer, Dr. Solomon Lung. Always has some great ideas and tips. After 12, our Paris Bureau Chief, Neil Runciman, reports live from snowy France. Join Solomon and Neil on Facebook Live.
9: Yeah.